This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. They tried to make me go to rehab, I said no, no, no. Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, no, no, no. I ain't got the time, and if my daddy thinks I'm fine, they tried to make me go to rehab. Good evening and welcome to Hooked, Joy 94.9's program about addiction. Research shows that the LGBTI community has addiction problems of at least twice that of the general population and we want to explore why and how this has come about. There are many suffering addiction, many more that are affected by those in active addiction and people that are grateful in recovery. My name is Russ and we're back. What are some of the reasons behind this problem? Are there pathways towards recovery and change? How does addiction affect loved ones, family members and partners of those in active addiction? You know, David, we're not experts in these fields, but we're just a couple of friends who both happen to be in recovery. We believe that there needs to be more conversation in our community. Of course, if you'd like to join us in that conversation, you can SMS us on 0427-JOY949. That's 0427-569-949. Or email us at onair at joy.org.au or hooked at joy.org.au. If you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program raises issues that cause distress, you can call Lifeline on 131114, that's lifeline.org.au, or Beyond Blue on 1322 4636, which is beyond Well, it's great to be back, Russ. It's Can been you a while. It? Where it has is, been where, a while. Where has Hooked been, David? We've been resting. Well, yes, we have been resting. It's resting been quite a rest, actually. Yeah. Two grids we've been gone for, and God, it's good to be back. Yeah, look, um, we had an amazing two seasons last year, um, which was a, a sensational time because we've learned so much and we've talked to so many different people. Yeah. Uh, we were up for a community broadcasting award later in the year, which for was... journalism, would you believe that? Well, I know, which was a great experience we as well. We didn't get the Logie, though, did no, we? No, no, no but, no, you know, no. we were certainly up there in contention, and it's been a great break, and, of course, now we've got this season coming up uh, with amazing guests. It is. And for those of you who have never listened to Hook before, we are a show all about recovery. And yeah. we um, we like to talk about uh, alcoholism and drug taking and overeating. What else? Uh, we've Gamblers covered Anonymous. Smoking, Actually, smokers, if, you know. if you do like the style of the show and you want to check out some podcasts, you can go to joy.org.au slash hooked uh, and you'll see a whole range of podcasts, things like First Strategies, uh, people that we've talked to right throughout the last two series. And, of course, there's um, a Facebook page as well, which is Hooked on Joy 94.9. I think I mentioned to Matt before on World Wide Wave that we are Hooked on Joy 949. So you can check that out on our Facebook page as well. Tonight, our guests are Jeremy and Daniel from Q Health. It's great to have you both here. Great. Thank you so much for having us here. 
Hello. It's good to be here. <laughs> Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, look, uh, we've only briefly met before, certainly at, at uh, Midsummer Carnival. You were both there, of course, and uh, we've, been, we've been dying to have you on the show because last year, uh, just as we were getting towards the end of the season and, and we sort of talked to each other and we wanted to talk about Q Health and what Q Health does, uh, we didn't have enough time to be able to fit into that last season. But So do you want to first start off by explaining where um, Q Health is, because it's part of the Merry Group, and how does that all work together? Well, Merry Health is um, a community um, uh, health service, and it's based in the northwest of uh, metropolitan Melbourne. So some of our area ranges from uh, the inner city of North, so mm -hmm. from Yarra, all the way down to Preston, right through to Coburg, because we actually are based in Coburg and mm -hmm. Brunswick, and um, also we work all the way to Werribee as well. Oh, wow. That's so a big it's area. quite a large area, mm. yes. Yep. So that's, uh, we do a fair bit of outreach, so that's some of the area that we do, uh, that we do cover. So certainly people in Fitzroy and uh, Brunswick and some of our gay neighbourhoods, or gayborhoods as we call them, yep. are uh, people that are in your catchment area. Uh, yep, and, and even the city. outside, absolutely, even outside. So they don't actually have to live in our area, so mm -hmm. anyone who... In any of the queer community or LGBTIQ community that can go, that work or can access us in those areas, we'll try to um, to do what we can to support mm. them. Okay. I'm talking to you before the show, um, Jeremy, I, you said we don't actually like to use the word GLBTIQ, you just prefer to call it our community. Oh, and I, I really yeah. like that. I really like that. I thought that was, that was really, really nice. Oh, cool. yeah. Thanks. yeah. So Q, Q Health, how did it all come about? When, how did you guys get involved? Um, well, I was actually, um, at this stage when it first started, I was volunteering counselling at, um, at that stage. It was the Victorian AIDS Council, which is now Thorn Harbour Health. And uh, the manager said, oh, look, there's a, a job I think you'll be great for if you want to go for it. And that was with Mary Health. And it started, there was um, a, uh, a new service available in Mary Health, uh, with another organisation in collaboration with Drummond Street at the time. And uh, it, they wanted to do some drug and alcohol counselling for people in the north and the western area because there was nothing much there for people who um, would feel safe with an organisation. And so Mary Health have got their rainbow tick, which is really, really um, important for, as you know, people in our community. Mm. So that's how it first started. So it just evolved from there and we became um, all of us with um, qualifications and lived experience in our communities, uh, worked with uh, substance use issues. And yeah. when, when did that start? Oh, um, I think it was uh, 2000. Uh, we first got there in about Easter 2017. Right. So I think there's an important bit to mention uh, that a key part of the program is, is queer-identified practitioners working with queer-identified participants. Yep, and that's what stands Q Health apart from the other drug and alcohol programs. I mean, there are some similar ones, but um, that's an important part of the work. So that when people come to us, they're like, oh, I don't need to talk about my queerness so much or my sexuality yeah. uh, uh, or my identity, and I can just be accepted and get that I have a drug problem, I don't have a sexuality problem or a, a, a queerness problem. It's sort of taking that off the table yeah. and actually getting to the crux of what the issue is rather yeah. than going to a general GP or a psychologist or something yeah. or other well, and great. they might actually say, well, you know, it's all about your queerness or it's about your yeah. acceptance of your identity or it's yeah. about your sexuality. You can sort of go, okay, that's off the table. Yeah. Let's get to the crux of your problem or, or what you want to talk about and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And some familiarity because we... 
queer identified practitioners and also with lived experience of substance use so it's also there's no stigma about not only there's no stigma about your sexuality but there's no stigma about substance use mm-hmm. so you can just come in and say here are some things that are happening but my issue may not be the substance in some cases it may be financial stress or it might be homelessness or mental health or whatever so we're we're looking at the issue rather than stigmatizing or pathologizing the person mm. so Q Health, what sort of services does it provide as far in the addiction space? Because that's what our program is about, of course. Well, um, to answer that question, I think uh, with us, we uh, our experience uh, with uh, alcohol and other drug work. So, but if you talk about addictions, you've got to talk about a lot of things which are bigger. And so, we think uh, it's about people who use substance, whether it, whatever it may be, uh, for self medication for other issues that are around. Mm. So, for us. There's a whole lot of other things that uh, uh, people are working with apart from the substance that they're, they're using to self-medicate. Mm. To answer the question also, I, I, I wonder if you're meaning in terms of services. So we do counselling. Is this mm-hmm. what you mean? Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry, yeah. yeah. So we do face-to-face counselling with individuals or whatever number of people. Uh, we also do what's called outreach. So we can go to where people are. So like in the past, I worked with a person who is agoraphobic and they couldn't leave their house. Goodness. So I had to go to their house. Um, Daniel does a lot more outreach than me and he... Uh, we'll go to, he's been to court with people recently. He, he, you know, we can meet people in cafes or near where they live or at their work. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the outreach can be supporting people to get to a service if they need a, like a, an emotional po- support to go to a medical service. So I've been with people to psychiatrists, to legal people. Um, and we also do a thing called secondary consults. So we will uh, work with other practitioners who want to know about how to work with queer identified people with um, alcohol and drug problems. That's an amazing service because yeah. I know we talk often talk about um, um, alcoholics or um, or drug users that are high functioning mm. that, um, that that can get around in this world, they can keep a job, they have a home to live in, they've got friends and family, but they're um, you know, they they're too scared to reach out mm. for help. So that's Yeah, because that's of amazing. stigma and things yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, to be able to actually uh, you know, I'm just sort of thinking a normal practice you would be thinking, okay, I'm making an appointment and I have to go there and be there at that time and all that sort of stuff. Uh, this is totally different to anything else we've heard of. Yeah. As, as well as what you're saying, Russell, um, uh, we work with those people that to have trouble accessing us. Mm. So those people we'd say with um, disabilities, maybe intellectual or um, with uh, uh, other presenting issues, mm. they could be homeless. So that's why we are able to go to them. They may feel uh, unsafe due to whatever concern uh, if they're transgender and there's a l- safety issues for them mm. to get on public transport. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that's a huge wow. risk and it's yeah. a real risk for our people. Mm. So that's, that's where we can go to them because they're unable to go to us, those with in, um, intellectual issues or literacy issues. or. And people some people are also just uncomfortable being in a white counselling room and there's some people I I will meet for lunch and we have lunch and it's it's still counselling but it's a much more informal experience to to be eating together and doing something that looks sort of like a regular thing you might do with you know, socialising, but it's actually still the work. It's still therapeutic. Well, you've got to hear the story somehow, don't you? Yeah. I think the more relaxed a person can be, the better. So. Yeah. yeah. So how do we actually access your services? There's um, several different ways that people can do it. Uh, we've got an intake line that people can, can ring. So um, the number is 1300 637 744. So they can ring that number and get um, and have a chat with our um, intake uh, person and that'll direct them to us. 
Another way... Uh, yep, certainly. It's 1300 637 744. Okay, that's Q Life. Yeah. Uh, Q Health. Q Health. Yeah. But that's actually the Mary. So if you called that number, you'd come to what's called Service Access, which is a centralised thing of Mary Health. And then they would email us from there. But you can email us directly, which is Q Health at maryhealth.org.au. And of course, we'll put those details up on our podcast. Yep. Mm-hmm. The podcast will be up in a couple of days. So if you want to uh, certainly access those uh, that that sort of information, you'll be able to get that from our par- podcast. I know this all sounds very exciting to me. I know when when I first got sober back in two thousand and eight. Um, for me, it was I went and saw my GP. We discussed the fact that uh, I was an alcoholic, um, and then I went to rehab, and then on to on to AA. But I certainly. Um, I was carrying around a lot of baggage, mm-hmm. internalised homophobia, all the stuff that comes with um, with um, with being a, a gay man um, in their forties and and with a, a substance abuse problem. Has that changed a lot now? I, I hear you saying um, people can come to you, um, and is there the baggage that people bring in as far as um, being gay, internalised homophobia? Is has have things changed in the past twelve years, or is it easier for for our community now? I yes and no. So yes, because I think for some people uh, who do have access, that they can access us and ask those questions themselves. No, because some people still feel that. Um, that real internalised homophobia uh, and that shame. Mm. So the biggest thing um, f- we try to get people and a lot of the referrals we get are from other agencies. Oh, can you have a chat with this person to see if that won't, if this person, um, you know, um, if you can support them, if it's it's a right, if you're the right agency right. to support them. So yes, I get people in similar situations even now with internalised homophobia. They have a picture about being quote unquote a gay man mm. um, drug induced um, chem sex right. and yeah that's all the being gay is about so yes. they must and uh. try to teach people that being gay does not mean you lose your self respect um, also with that we get people who have got um, suffering characteristics of gender dysphoria and body dysphoria right. so I've um, uh, had a client who's doing really well now but um, I was there when before they started transitioning from female to male. Yes. But couldn't understand why they hated their body mm. and they were misdiagnosed, but we went to Equinox together and now they've transitioned um, medically and uh, through the births, deaths and marriages and now they're fine and living a happy lifestyle. So um, with that and hating themselves yeah. and not knowing that as well. So that's just another example of someone's, someone's journey. Yeah. Um, some people who are trying to get recognition of their transition of who they are and because they were getting a lot of transphobic attitudes from people around them where they were living so and that's a lot of stress on them as well so there's a lot there um about people's specific journey about how they can you know how we can help them we work with really diverse like i work with teenagers all the way up to seven year olds 70-year-old, um, <laughs> seven-year-old, no, 70. Yeah. Uh, and within that, like, so Daniel talks about the community and I, I think where it's communities, like all the letters of the acronym have each have such different yeah. presentations and like I do work with gay men but I also work with intersex people and I also work with trans people and bi and trans folks, so gender diverse people. So all those folk are all having some form of, if you call it internalised homophobia or 
gender issues, but and we the way I work is I weave between like what is your identity or what is your sexuality, what is your mental health, what is your housing, what is your diet, like what is your everything. Yeah. Um, and Daniel and I have a passion about a, a thing called intersectionality. So we want to know really like what, are, what is the complete holistic tapestry of these people's lives of which, you know, gender and sexuality is part. Is yeah. Mm. yeah. And often for some people it's not, those parts, but it's the discrimination from society to those parts mm. that is the hard bit. Some people can be very happy with being whatever flavour they are, but get a lot of pushback from family or friends or the media or our government or wherever. So, yeah, to answer your question, there's a complexity of like, yeah, there's always internal disruptive bits, mm. but depending on your, your age, depending on your identity is like how much that is going to affect you or not. Which is interesting because I know when we started the program two years ago, there wasn't a lot of talk about um, um, trans people, um, you, you, you name it, intersex, and now we're finding that it's that's more and more um, um, out there in the community. Uh, we've received a couple of messages actually tonight and the first one says, really glad to hear this show is back, really important for everyone who is affected, especially people with addiction, which is often lonely. Glad you have a better air time. Well, we are too as well, right? We are. Do you have another message there? Look, I'm absolutely thrilled that these guys have messaged in. Yeah. Um, At the moment, uh, we've got a message here from Will, and Will's been battling meth addiction for 15 years. Uh, Today he is um, celebrating 100 days clean. Well done, Will. Excellent. Great stuff. He goes to three NA meetings a week and visited um, visits psychologists once a fortnight, made a huge change to people, places and things to avoid. Um, just for today, he is grateful for a second chance and we are loving you. Yeah, go message Will. Message us anytime, that's excellent. Will. I'm glad you've yeah. got another day up. Uh, we have another message. Great to hear you back, guys. David and Russ, such an incredible and important topic. Definitely hooked. And the last one is, hello, Hooked. I have a friend with an alcohol addiction who recently fell off a barstool because they were so intoxicated. However, they won't acknowledge they have a drinking problem or get help. What should I do as a friend? Cheers, Can Beryl. Well, good question. Well, Can Beryl. um, (laughs) Yes, yes, Russ. What do you think? I would suggest that they um, perhaps go and see a a doctor or a counsellor and talk about their drinking. Maybe go to um, Q Health. Yeah, go to Q Health or give Q Health a call, which would be excellent. Is that what you guys would want them to do? Well, I'm wondering if the question is how does the person sending the message talk to their friend? Yeah, and I would would have advice along those lines of, you know, find a quiet time and rather than blame and shame and just just sort of say, well, you know, I notice that some things are happening at the moment. Do you think this has anything to do with your alcohol consumption? And just open a very calm and relaxed conversation. Do you many people call you saying, my friend's got a problem? Yes, we do. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we, uh, it could be about a friend or a family member mm. or it could be they just don't want to... There's a lot of shame in, in admitting to yourself yeah. about what's yeah. going on. So, And sometimes it's good to talk about someone in a second person right. yeah. um, because you, they don't want to direct it onto themselves. So, mm. yeah. We also have scope to work with what we call affected others. So mm. even this person who sent the message could contact us yeah. for support. 
Um, and in addition to what David said, I think it's worth saying not only you know asking the question, but saying, "Hey, I'm concerned." You know, let it be from like I, I'm worried about you. Mm. Um, can be a good opener of not just the kind of finger pointing like you're bad and you're an alcoholic, but <laughs> hey, I'm I'm here to support you. And what yeah. kind of support do you need? And can I come to a service with you? Or do you need some research to find out about this? Or you know, maybe this is affecting your life and I'm worried. Well, this is it. You know, Russ and I are both in recovery. If somebody had said to either of us at the time of our addictions, um, you've got to stop, you say, no, no. way, no. Yeah. Denial, so, is a, denial is a big Anyway, we, we do need to get back to Q Health because I was wondering before, what happens when I arrive at Q Health? I've made an appointment, I front up, I get through the front door and I'm feeling good because I'm in a very safe environment. What happens when I arrive? Can I add just before we get to yeah. that bit, uh, the service is free. Mm. And that's really important mm. to mention with unlimited sessions. So a lot of the people we work with are quite surprised with that because the normal model is go to a GP, get yep. a mental health care plan, yeah, 10 and then sessions get 10 sessions yep. and then you're out the door. So no fee, no referrals, no mental health care plan, unlimited sessions, which it is quite amazing. Be about, uh, although this um, program is about recovering, it doesn't yeah. have to be about just recovering. Ah, no, good point. No. Yeah, yeah. So we work in a harm minimization model, which means that there are some people who say, I have problematic meth use, but I really want to be into recreational drugs or alcohol or cigarettes or whatever. Mm. And the way we work is, yeah, we're fine with that. You do not need to be sober to participate. Mm. Um, and we, I work with the whatever the substance the person wants to work with, and they may still use other things. And we're really fine with that. It's getting that conversation opening. So I've arrived at your yep. practice in Coburg. Yeah. And I've come in the door. What's going to happen? So depending on what's happening there and where you are and how you feel safe. So um, when we do an assessment to find out what's happening with you, uh, where you are, uh, what your journey is, it could be to one session or it could be a bit heavy and may need a break. So it can go over, say, another week or something like that. So it's just um, maintaining that safety for you to find out what your priorities are and how we can work with that. It could be a family member or someone you care about who could have the substance use or it could be you, it could be some other dangers. As you know, with substance use, uh, domestic violence plays a major part, a major role in that as well. Daniel, how do you get people to be honest? Because we know those in addiction it are takes, notoriously dishonest. Yeah, mm. it takes uh, a lot of time and a lot of trust. It's not easy to be honest, either. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, that's where I think what Jeremy was saying, that we've got the ability to work with people at their pace. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and having unlimited um, uh, sessions with them means that we've got the time to to earn that trust. It's so, you got to, it's not one of those um, seagull syndromes, you go fly in, you fly out and that type of thing where you leave them just, hang on, what's going on here? Mm. So we can stay with them. And we, I feel that we have to earn their trust so, and earn their respect to stay with them. And that consistency, I think bit by bit, more comes out about what we can do yeah. to help them gain control over their own lives. I'm, I'm working currently with a person that I worked with for two years and sometimes we have weekly sessions and that's quite a big building of rapport, like that amount of momentum. Um, I want to add a, a, just a couple of other things. Also, we're, we work from a few different sites. So one is Coburg, but also Brunswick, which is a little yeah. bit closer sort of mm-hmm. this way. But like we said, we can meet people where they are. Um, and also in addition to what Daniel's saying, a person comes in, we'll do what we call an assessment, like figure out where they're at, what they need. We have three workers at the moment. And sometimes people say, oh, I really want to work with this person or I can't work with this person. So we all also what we call allocate the person to an appropriate practitioner. Because um, you, you both have different uh, specific um, areas that you specialise yeah, in. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yes. We're quite different so, and similar. 
Yep. So um, as well as what Jeremy's saying, so um, we've got a great agreement with Odyssey House in Werribee. So I go there mm. um, and if the need arises. So if I get clients in the, the western area uh, from Bagus Marsh and all that area, to, if they can get to Werribee, then I can see them there because it'll be harder for them to travel all the way to the city or yeah, to, sure. to Coburg or to Brunswick. So we try to be flexible to suit where you are to help you feel safe and for you to access us for because for you to travel two hours to counselling is just not going to work. Mm. Yeah. It's not viable. And we don't... So when a person comes in, like, uh, I work differently from Daniel. I'm not even sure how you work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> probably it's very good. Um, but we don't have a particular model. Like, it's not like, hey, this is CBT, like... Um, and you wouldn't want to have one either. No, no, no. no. I, I called my style meandering, so I'm just kind of like, wriggling around and just trying to find the thing and it's client-led and it's strength-based so it's like i say to the person you tell me where we're going if you get a little bit lost then i'll kind of i might be a bit further down the path and i might say well it's this way or this way but it's really about that person what they need right now yeah. and for some people it looks like chatting and for some people it looks like digging through the compost and and going into trauma and it's really specific to that person and what they need then what they want because um, as well as that, because I come from a cultural and linguistic background mm. and so I do work with a lot of people from a non-Anglo-Saxon background and the, the Western model of a lot of um, uh, drug and alcohol services is that they, uh, they work individually with the, um, the client. However, in some cultures, you work with the family. Mm. So it's more family therapy work with dealing with substance use. So I do a lot of that work mm. as well as... Um, and it's got to be... It suits the people around you to suit their world, not the other way around because it just won't work. And also working with people with disabilities with substance use issues. So I've got to go at their pace. It's no point for them to suit how I work. Mm. So as what Jeremy says, we have to work what best works with the, the individual, mm. not the other way around. And so. I guess you would complement each other in different ways. Like, yep. for example, ice. Okay, let's talk ice and the amount of sex that people have with ice. Now, um, you're a sex therapist as well. Yep. So these two things must complement each yeah, other. And definitely. That would be a great way to work with an individual who's yep. just saying, look, it's out of control. Yeah. Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yep. I've got no, you know, no, I feel as though I haven't got any morals anymore. What should I do? Blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I talk about sex quite a lot in my sessions and I can um, uh, but some psychologists and some other practitioners get really squeamish when people come in and want to talk about sex and what kind of sex they're having or not having whatever but I think it's a really important part of our health and lives and well-being you know what I want to talk about I want to talk about sex yay um, and not necessarily <laughs> let's about, talk about that baby well you know it isn't necessarily about sex addiction but of course that is something that uh, you obviously mm. would be able to have um uh, a chat to somebody about yeah. but uh, there is a very big proportion of certainly um, in our community of people that have uh, addiction with usually crystal meth yeah. and sex and the two together and yep. there's certain programs now being uh, evolving um, tell, tell me about sex and drug addiction yeah so especially for young gay men chem sex is a really big problem um, I mean meth itself is a problem what ha what becomes problematic for people in their recovery and sobriety is having uh sexual experiences without substances so without meth um and the the sober sex is very difficult because uh, the meth increases um 
drops inhibitions and increases libido and makes longevity. And then when you're making poly drug use where you're adding, you know, like Viagra or ecstasy or whatever into the mix and K and G, um, then the sober sex seems boring. And so people I work with saying, well, I, I don't know if I can do this and I don't know if I want to do this sober sex thing. Yeah, we had a bit of a conversation with one of our regulars last year, Nurse Betty, and Nurse Betty was talking about how, you know, we can eat a piece of cake and we get this particular high, we can have sex and have a, a, a higher high again mm. and then you in, introduce drugs mm. and suddenly it's an explosion into a completely different atmosphere. Not that we're promoting that sort of uh, behaviour but at the same time you would have people that come back as you say, in abstinence and mm. they're going, well, what am I going to do now? Yeah. So interestingly, like, although the physiological sensations can be greatly increased, the intimacy is often greatly yeah. reduced and yeah. diminished. So what the people I'm working with find is what they have to focus on is their, is their connection to themselves and their connection to the other. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a really, it's almost like a, a whole new landscape for these people in sobriety of having sex. It's like, ah, oh, so so I'm here and you're here at the same time. Whereas in the past, I think it was just like, let's me, see me, how me, high me. I can get and me, 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 me. me exactly. Me, yeah. yeah. So it's learning new sensations, new experiences, new interpersonal experiences. As you said, you're a sex therapist. Yeah. But, um, there's a program that I've heard about. Is it called Defrosted? Defrosted, yes. What, what is that about? Thank you, David, for mentioning that. So Defrosted is a new program that's a partnership between Thorn Harbour Health and Mary Health and myself. I'll be running that in from Q Health. Um, and it's for um, gay men, trans men, bi men um, who are in recovery and have some time of abstinence um, mm -hmm. already under their belt um, to come together. It's going to be an eight-week um, group, uh, peer group, therapeutic peer group. So we're going to get together and each week we'll have a different theme. The, the, the kind of the majority of it is about sexuality, relationships and intimacy. But either side of that will be looking at um, being healthy, mental health, good strategies for being. Not so much talk about actual drugs and drug use. Um, Thorn Harbour, I'm sure you know about the Rewired and Rewired yeah. 2 programs. They're yeah. great programs, but they're yeah. actually for people who are using or have just become uh, sober. Yeah, certainly Rewired looks at use and it's in a very non-confrontational way where yeah. people may continue to use or maybe not. Yeah. And then Rewired 2 is for those people that have chosen abstinence and it yeah. becomes a, a group where people can explore yeah. what's happening with their lives and so other things. So you know, they're great programs. They're great Defrosted programs. Defrosted is different again. Defrosted yeah. is, is different again and it's a bit further down the track. It's for folk like maybe six months, a year or so who are mm -hmm. not going to have relapses but maybe a little lost, need a little bit of support from a group of people and some strategies to, to, to come back to sexuality and intimacy. Um, if you want to be part of that group, uh, you can contact Thorn Harbour Health and that's where the intake is happening and they're very easy to find and I think the, the program is on their website currently. Mm. Um, I'm really excited about it because I think it's, it's in part for the individuals but it's in part for the community also to see, ah, oh, it is possible to have recovery. It is possible to be sober from meth because I think when people are deep in meth, they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And this is sure. what we're trying to show is like, yeah, this is possible. And then enjoy sex with that. Yes, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And even, you know, still, you know, having really high experiences from the, the intimacy. And I think that's a, a thing that I'm really focusing on sure. for this group. And I know that Will, who sent a message before, is probably thinking, oh, yes, this yes. is something that I might be yeah, interested yeah. in yeah. further down the track. And once again, we congratulate Will on his 100 days clean as well. Yeah. So um, with um, Q Health, I know um, 
in Alcoholics Anonymous, for example, we we say that uh, you know you'll you'll we'll help you to get sober and we'll help you to remain sober, but we um, by no means are um, medical professionals, and that um, you will only get out and stay sober if you um, if you seek help outside. Uh, um, for example, and ice is so prevalent in our community. Is that the same with? Um, would you deal with a lot of people who go to Narcotics Anonymous and then mm. and then want your help after that? Uh, we do, and also um, we work with a lot of um, GPs and medical services and um, uh, well detox centres, well withdrawal services, and also rehab. So we work with a lot and help them with their what they call pharmacotherapy. So they're getting. Um, um, some uh, medica- uh, medication support, prescribed medication support. So we help with that counselling. Mm. So there's a team approach with supporting the person. Yeah. So they're not doing it by themselves and we're not carrying it. So we mm. try to to help them maintain their um, their medication while they're, they're trying to recover. And it's really hard to get through to people when it's... When, when it's going to be the hardest thing they've ever done, but it's also going to be the best yeah. thing that they've ever yeah. done for yeah. themselves. And, and it does take a team effort. Yeah. It? It does. I, I like NA and, and, and AI. I think they do great work. I think they do great preliminary work. Exactly. But to me, like underneath there's a deeper layer which is often some kind of trauma mm, yeah. or some people who don't want to touch into really difficult feelings. And that's where counselling and therapy are really wonderful approaches because, you know, you can stay with abstinence but I think there's actually time to really go a bit deeper and dig into like w- their symptoms but what was the cause how did I end up there in the first yeah. place and that's so exactly what I think is I mean yeah. that, that you can't you know if you don't go um, find out the reason why why you drank and face your fears or whatever demons it is you can't and yeah. you'll I, relapse yeah the rooms are great but the, I think there needs to be ancillary things around that and the the program the Q Health program I think is really wonderful to support those people mm-hmm. to, to look deeper in a one to one situation, say what happened, yeah. and ha- and what strategies can can help me with that. Mm. So do I think you when think? Pe- sorry. sorry, I was going to say, do you think there are reasons behind um, addiction in our LGBTI community? Um, most definitely. So um, studies. Um, um, being a social worker, I'm really big. Go, on Go, Daniel, um, do it, do it. Stats, like stats. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> this is the moment we're waiting for. I adore stats. You got four minutes on your marks. Get set. Go. Read the thing you've highlighted. Come on. I do like. The biggest thing is what a lot of people feel in the LGBTI community is the minority stress for them to go to a mainstream community and they see signs that everything is about um it being in a heterosexual environment the language um before uh, we were able to get married i mean they were saying are you single or are you married they won't recognize partnerships in in an lgbti um or a same-sex relationship so i mean there's um the abuse of um, when you're growing up and discrimination you had as as being um, what uh, gay or lesbian or, or trans person, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, there's uh, family abuse. Mm. There's that lack of um, uh, support. So you might be ostracised by your bl- your own blood family. So mm. you feel totally isolated. So having no support or anything like that there. So there's um, uh, this um, the stigma about being gay. We talked about internalised homophobia. Um, so there are still families out there. We got uh, government policies. For, changing where um, they want to uh, be able to discriminate against LGBTI people and and shame them. Mm. So that's a big thing. And when someone's going through that, they're going to feel more isolated. So if we can do what we can to keep connection with them while they're going down that journey Mm. and help them feel supported and and come back to say that, yes, you are a 
a good person. Um, you do have respect. Um, you've got a lot to offer the community. So yes, we can work this together. So to give them a bit of hope, I think that's yeah. what we want to do with just being with them on their journey. We got a lot more referrals around the time of the marriage equality plebiscite. No, and I yeah. hear also around about that one year anniversary as well. There yes. was a spike in all services yep. being accessed yeah. because people were vulnerable and yeah. uh, yep. certainly needing a lot of support and help during those periods. Yeah. That I'm was, curious. you know, that was why we, we argued against a plebiscite. We argued against yeah. all of those different mm. ways of yeah. achieving this when it could have been done so simply. Yeah. That's another sh topic yep. for another yep. show. Yep. But oh, no, yeah. I'm you, curious. I'm curious. No, but what it's sort of... Um, months down the road. What are sort of people? looking after people that are um, having failed marriages now, is that? Oh, I haven't met them. You haven't okay. met them? No, no, no. no. One year is too early for that, Russ, That's please. Good That's good news. Let these people <laughs> stay married for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> but do, you know, it's a great question. Do queer people have um, special problems? Yes and no. I think that, um, yeah, societal pressure, family pressure, but mental health, uh, for queer folk is uh, disproportionately high, um, suicidality is disproportionately high, unemployment, homelessness, like all the bad things you can think of, queer folk are overrepresented. I think that's, uh, again, I think the service is, is, is so good. Yeah. Um, mm. For me personally, um, you know, live and work in the ghetto. So for me, I'm, it's very rare these days that I feel unsafe. I, you know, mm. live in Richmond, work in Kew. And yeah. so I'm not out in the burbs. And I, don't, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's just great that uh, if anyone is feeling unsafe about any single topic, they could call you guys. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about feeling safe, uh, we had a Pride March the other day and I know that it was a great show of unity and everybody was. And everybody was having a great time at the Pride March. Uh, we have somebody on the line. There was a, a group, a small group in the Pride March, Hopefully you didn't blink and miss them because they are definitely a force. They're called Clean and Sober and they're a group of people that uh, are um, sober and clean, obviously. <laughs> we have one of them online at the moment. This guy's name is Miles. Are you there, Miles? I'm here. Thank you, David. Look, it's great to hear your voice. I wanted to know how did it feel walking down uh, Fitzroy Street in a party atmosphere, fear, uh, clean and sober on Sunday in the Pride March? Oh, it was great. It was great to be with my community, um, my tribe, celebrating who we are, um, clean and sober and gay. Um, we walked around the corner on Fitzroy Street and there was just a huge cheer. Um, that was at the Prince of like, Wales? Uh, yeah, I think that's the spot, yes. This was the first time um, you've marched with the Pride March under the clean and sober banner? It is, yes. Um, I've, I've been to Sydney Mardi Gras a few times, but actually the first time I've been to the Melbourne one as well. And how did it feel walking down the street under that banner? Oh, it was beautiful. I really loved seeing, especially a lot of the younger ones in our group, um, who it was sort of their first time uh, bouncing clean and sober, and just to see them really just be so excited by the moment um, and just to be happy and have a good time and not, you know feel the need to have drink or drugs. It's incredible. And Miles, why do you think it's so important that um, that Clean and Sober participate every year and they're seen in a public forum like that? Uh, well, I think in the gay community, there's you can feel a bit like the only, um, what's the word, gay in the village, not drinking. Um, and you can feel a little bit on the outer. And it's just great to come and show and you know show who you are and, and that it is possible to live a life without drink or drugs. So, yeah. yeah, we've got many listeners tonight, so the main question that I'd like to ask you so they can hear this, 
and you had a bloody good time marching, didn't you? Yes, and no headache the next day. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yes, no headache. Go. Of course, you would have been chanting, <laughs> we're here, we're queer, and we don't drink beer, uh, I would expect. Oh, nice, David. <laughs> no, we did, I did see a couple um, having a drink, and they sort of looked at each other and laughed and said, oh, sorry. I said, look, it's fine. Have one on us. <laughs> yeah. Look, I know that there's a lot of supporting people in the crowds in the uh, during the Pride March as you walk down that street and people look you in the eye and they sort of go, ah, oh, yes, there is another way. And they sort of look at you quite knowingly, don't they? Yeah, I think maybe they're sort of maybe looking at themselves. Maybe I should give that a go. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it, I just think it's really important to be loud and proud and show who we are. And demonstrate another way. Okay, thanks, Miles, for joining us. Uh, I know you're busy tonight, but we really appreciate you joining us for this uh, message tonight. My pleasure. Thanks, David. Thanks again. So that's a good uh, welcome into the community, that even though the people don't drink and take drugs and they're clean and sober, they're still participating in things like Pride March and they're still participating in Fair Day, all of those sort of things. Possibly in life itself. Uh, they're about to come up to their year of sobriety. They didn't think they could do a day a week. Uh, this person's in their 40s. They said, I've never been sober for more than a week since I was 14 years old. Mm. So a whole lifetime of substance and a whole generations of substance use behind them. And they recently decided they uh, were happy to stop working with me and we had a graduation ceremony wow. and I made them a little hand-painted certificate that said, you know, you've graduated from this work. And it was incre- there was a lot of tears and, and a lot of gratitude between the two of us of like, yeah, you know, you, you've, you know they're, they're grateful for me and me grateful for them because they've done the work. So their, their one-year sobriety is coming up uh, some in mid-Feb yeah. um, and I will reach out to them on that day, I think. But it was, it was such a beautiful thing to see like oh yeah i can do this this is possible how satisfying not just for you but also for them yeah we hope that you've enjoyed tonight's show and remind you that if you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program raises issues that cause distress you can call lifeline on 13 11 14 or beyond blue on 1300 22 46 36 I'd like to thank Daniel and Jeremy from Q Health for being with us tonight. It's been a fantastic show. Uh, And remember, folks, it is important to move away from self-destructive reasoning. Recovery involves breaking the cycle of addiction, moving the trigger of negative thinking and restoring us to emotional sobriety. One of the greatest highs in life is, of course, feeling good about ourselves. Always remember that none of us are alone in this world. And the first step in recovery is just quite simply to ask for help. Yes, we want our community to be one of hope and look forward to your company next week as we continue to explore addiction on Hooked. Meanwhile, it's goodbye from Russ. Goodbye, David. And it's goodbye from me, David. Goodbye. You can find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.